Well, it's good to be in God's house this morning. If you have your Bible with you, hold it up real high. Everybody with your Bible, look at that. Wonderful. Open your Bible, please, to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. It's a delight to be here in the house of God. And haven't we had a good, uh, wonderful anniversary revival? The Lord blessed in a gracious way. We're thankful for all that has gone on in the last two weeks. We have just closed the 36th year of the ministry of this church, symbolizing it with the uh, preaching of Brother Harold Cathy on the first Sunday night in August, who is going in missions and evangelism to Africa and will be leaving in September. What a blessed message that was and what a dynamic man for God he is. And I hope our church can support him financially as well as in prayer. And then on Wednesday night, the Certain Sound Singers presented Say Cheese. (laughs) And they preached to us in drama. Let me encourage you to never miss any of these services. You miss something that is almost irreplaceable. That was a great hour. And then beginning on Saturday night, Dr. J. Harold Smith and preaching through Tuesday night, God's Three Deadlines and his other great messages. What a thrill and excitement it was to have him with us. 81 years of age, he preaches like he was 30. We thank God for this dear man. And then we had Bud and Barbara Lee. What a precious team they are and their family. They were with us through Wednesday night, and Brother Bud brought that message Wednesday night. And I think everybody here got blessed and excited. And then Brother Rudy Atwood at the piano. Wasn't that a thrill and a blessing? We've had a a glorious anniversary celebration and have been launched into the 37th year. And I think it was appropriate that we begin this year in missions and evangelism asking God to help us make this a great year for Christ, a year of winning the lost and spreading the gospel around the world. I want to thank the many of you who had us in your home, homes during this time of revival. That was an exciting fellowship. Several of the homes had 23 and 24 and 25 people there. That was an unbelievable, just sort of had a church in their house. And uh, it was really amazing. We appreciate so much those times together. And then I want to thank so many of you who are helping our mother. You have been so kind and compassionate and loving and tender and and sacrificial. And I just want you to know my deep appreciation. Only in heaven will you realize the gratitude that we have for all you mean to us. God bless you. You are the greatest people in all God's world. And we thank God for the precious people one to Christ. And uh, many of them were baptized. They will be baptizing again tonight. We thank the Lord for all of those and for the people that are in the auditorium this morning who have just recently been saved. God bless you. Now with your Bible open to 2 Kings chapter 6, we want to begin with verse 1 and read through verse 17. This is a tremendous scripture passage 
and I believe can be a blessing to all of us. May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we humble ourselves in thy presence and ask for the moving of the Holy Spirit in these days ahead as we go into the 37th year of this church's ministry. We pray that this will be in the fall, a time when the church will set a course of the direction for the next 25 years and we'll follow that direction. We pray that this morning the Holy Spirit would open every heart and may we hear from heaven and may we yield our lives to the will of God. May someone who has never been saved here in the auditorium or by radio yield that heart to Christ today. In Jesus' name, we ask the Holy Spirit to do His work. Amen. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too small for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take there every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in there, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for there the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of it and saved himself there not once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was very troubled for, it, for this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will ye not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he there horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth. Behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he answered, Fear not. For they who are with us are more than they who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. <clears throat> and when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. 
Now, what a wonderful passage of Scripture this is. I want you to notice the story. Elijah, the prophet, had gone to heaven in a whirlwind and a chariot of fire. Tonight, I want to speak on that. Elisha was the man who got close to Elijah and when on the day of Elijah's promotion, Elijah said, now, Elisha, I'm going down here. And Elisha said, I'm going with you. Elijah got down there and he said, now, Elisha, I'm going over here. And Elijah, Elisha said, I'm going with you. Wherever Elijah went that day, Elisha went, teaching us the importance of staying close to the man who is directed by the Lord. And when they crossed the Jordan, the Bible tells us that the, the wind of God came and parted Elijah and Elisha. And a chariot of fire came down from heaven in a whirlwind and caught up Elijah. And Elijah went on home without the death dew on his brow. And Elisha took the mantle of Elijah, crossed the Jordan, and went back to take the place of that prophet. Now, this is the Elisha we're talking about today. Now, there came a day that Syria was against Israel. Does that sound like the modern newspaper? Reading the paper today, yesterday, all the weeks. Syria and Israel have been at each other's throats for years. Well, Syria made war against Israel. And the Syrian king said, I'm going to camp in such a place, and when the Israeli army marches by, we'll, we'll ambush them. And they'll know nothing about it. But remember that obscure passage in Amos that says, God will do nothing but he reveal his secrets to his prophets. God said, hey, Elisha, here's where the king of Syria is going to be. And Elisha a man of faith, went to the king of Israel and said, don't let your armies pass by here. If they do, they'll be ambushed. Go another way. And so they went another way. And the king of Syria scratched his head and he said, how in the world did that happen? It happened again and again and again and again. And so the Syrian king called his wise men and henchmen together and he said, now, something is wrong. There must be a spy among us who is telling the Israeli army which way to go. And how to avoid this ambush. And one of the, one of the guys in the, in the wise council stood up and said, Oh, king, live forever. It isn't one of us. But there's over there in the Israeli camp a man of God. And his name is Elisha. He tells the king of Israel the things that you whisper in your bedchamber. You can't do anything but what he knows about it. Now, Elisha never claimed to have psychic powers. He didn't get this from reading somebody's palm or visiting some madam or looking at a deck of cards or rubbing a Ouija board. All those things are of the devil. Elisha was tuned into God. 
And ladies and gentlemen, if you'll tune into God, he'll reveal things to your heart that you never dreamed. You remember that passage in Corinthians chapter 2? I hath not seen, neither hath it entered into the hearts of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And read on to the next verse, but God hath revealed them to us by his spirit. A Christian can know more about what's going on in this world than the lost would ever know. And the discerning believer who reads the word and is in tune with the Holy Spirit can discern things that the unsaved world never dreams of. And Elisha got what he knew directly from God. And so Elisha went to the king and he said, now don't go by there. That Syrian army ambush you. And so the Israeli army got by and was delivered from the Syrian king. Well, that made that man so mad. He said, we're going to do him in. We're going to get that old man, Elisha. And so he said, now you tell me where he is. Sent some spies out to find where he is. And they said, he's in Dothan. All right, we'll go down to Dothan and we'll surround the city and we'll demand him and we'll take him captive, dead or alive, we'll get him. The problem with the Syrian king is he didn't know he was doing, who he was dealing with. The problem with the world and the flesh and the devil is that they don't know who they're dealing with when a man is filled with the Holy Ghost. When he's in tune with God. And so they surrounded Dothan. Early one morning, Elisha had a man working with him. He's called the servant of Elisha. He got up early one morning, went out for a walk. And lo and behold, he saw the, all the mountains around Dothan surrounded by the kings, uh, king of Syria and all of his armies and the chariots and the horses. And he got scared to death. What am I going to do? And he started wringing his hands and pulling his hair. He ran in and he said, Oh, Master Elisha, what shall we do? What shall we do? The city is surrounded by the Syrians. <laughs> that scared Elijah to death, didn't it? Elisha to death, didn't it? Well, he almost had a nervous breakdown. Took some aspirin. Went and got some, some kind of special prescription from the doctor to deal with his nerves. He didn't do anything like that. Elisha, with all the boldness and faith of a man of God, looked at that servant. And he looked up at God and he said, Now, Lord, open this servant's eyes that he may see. And he said to the servant, They that are with us are more than they that are with them. And all of a sudden, that servant's eyes were opened. And do you know what he saw? He saw things that the human eye cannot see. He saw behind all those armies of the Syrians, the mountains were filled with the armies of God. And that whole city of Dothan was not only surrounded by the city, by the by the armies of the Syrians, but out beyond them, the armies of God and the chariots of God and the, all those armaments were there. And Elisha said, don't be afraid, fear not. They that are with us are greater than they that are with them. And then 
Elisha prayed a simple prayer. Lord, strike these men with blindness. And all the hosts of Syria were stricken with blindness. And Elisha went out, played a game with them. He said, hey, you've been looking for that fellow Elisha? Yeah, we've been looking for him. Where is he? Why, he's gone down here to another town. You follow me and I'll lead you. <laughs> and he led them down to Samaria, went to the king of Israel, and he said, the armies of the Syrians are right here. You can conquer them without firing a shot. God did this. And the king of Israel said, well, shall I slay them? I'll just get up and kill them. <laughs> Elijah said, you're going to kill somebody you've taken a prisoner? He said, bring them in for a big feast. Feed them and send them home. Let them know that everything is all right in Israel today. You don't have to be afraid of them. Now, what a story. Isn't that an amazing, thrilling story? Every time I read it, I get goose pimples. You think of how God takes care of people. Now, out of that, I want to give you three truths. The command, the consternation, and the comfort. First of all, the command. Look in your Bible at 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. And Elisha answered, Fear not, for they who are with us are more than they who are with them. The command to that servant of God who was scared out of his wits, to the servant of Elisha who was scared out of his wits, was don't be afraid. Brush away your tears. Now, there are a lot of things we're afraid of today. I think there are spiritual lessons in this passage for us today. You think of, if, if we had time this morning, you could take a piece of paper and list all the things you're afraid of. Sometimes kids going to school for the first time are afraid of other kids. That's the real reality. Kindergarten, first grade kids, you know, kids can be mean to each other. Did you know that? How many of you have ever had another kid be mean to you? Lift your hands. See there, just look at it. How many of you adults remember when you were kids having some other kid be mean to you? Lift your hands. See there? I don't know what makes it. I guess it's the old Adamic nature. I remember when I first went to school, there was a big field down on, on the other side of where we lived. It was, I was in about the third grade. We'd moved to a new community. I was going to Emerson School. And there was a, a big field down at the end of our street. And uh, when I came home from school, there was a, a couple of guys that laid wait. They just wanted to pick a fight. And they did that every day. And I'd try to figure out some way to run around that field and run through some alley and some take some shortcut or something. And finally, my dad found out about it. Now, my dad wasn't a bully, but he could be pretty mean when he wanted to be. And he said, you're not going to take a shortcut anymore. You come right through that field, and I'll be down there. And I came through the field, and they beat me up. He didn't say a thing. Now, I'm not sure my mother ever knew about that. Now, the next day... Dad said, you come the same way. But this time, you're not going to let them beat, up, beat you up. You go attack them first. Well, I said, I don't know whether I can or not. He said, you do it. I'll be there. 
And so he, he was in his little, he's in his, he had an old Model A car, Model A Ford, and he was in that Ford. And I saw him, well, I, guess, I guess that gave me a little bit more courage. And I came through that field and I saw those two guys hiding over there and I ran over to them and pushed them, just knocked them down. I don't know where I got the strength. I don't know whether I knew how to pray then or not. I just knocked them down and they got up and ran. I never had any more problem with them. Now I'm not telling you that's the way to handle it. Mothers, forgive me if I did something that you don't think is the right thing to do. But I want to tell you, kids can be mean to each other. I don't know why, but they just are. And in this being mean, people, as they grow, get meaner. Sometimes we're scared of other people. As we grow up, we're scared sometimes of those we owe money to. Try to avoid them. Best thing to do, if you can't pay a bill, write them a little note. You may kept up, keep on getting those computer notes from you. I demanded we're going to turn this over to the collector and all that kind of thing. Write them a little note. Give them a dollar, two dollars, whatever you can afford, and say, I'm trying. I'm not trying to avoid this. I'm trying, but I don't have to be afraid of you. Do your best to pay your debts. Don't ignore them. Sometimes we get afraid of the future. We're scared to death of what's going to happen. And we wring our hands and we just, just have a nervous fit over what's going to happen. Beloved, the commission, the command here is fear not. Elisha said to that servant, don't be afraid. You see all those armies out there, the armies of the Syrians, you think they're going to come down here and get us? Oh God, open this man's eyes that he may see. And his eyes were open and he saw out there the armies of God. Listen, when you get afraid, ask God to open your eyes that you may see glimpses of truth he has for you. The command was fear not. Don't be afraid. Over and over again in the scripture that, commission, that command is, is repeated. On the day when Jesus was raised from the grave, the disciples came to the, to the grave and it was, the stone was rolled away and the angel was standing there and they were filled with fear. They were astonished. They were scared out of their wits. And the angel said, fear not. On the day Jesus was born, the shepherds were out in the fields keeping their flock and lo, a multitude of angels came and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And the shepherds were scared out of their wits. And the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Sometimes in our darkest night of fear, the Lord is standing right in the shadows and if we'll look for him, he'll help us. Don't be afraid. Are you facing some serious illness? Are you facing some serious crisis? Are you facing something that is unknown? Don't be afraid. That's the message Elisha gave to that servant. It was a message directly from God. Now I want you to notice, secondly, the consternation. 
Elisha had been helping the king. The enemies of God are crafty. They're restless in their attempt against the believer. Everything that the world can throw at the believer, the world will do it. And I want to tell you, our enemy has a great stockpile. You're talking about the stockpile of atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs that Russia has and America has and we've been scared of each other through these years. The enemy, and our real enemy is not Russia. Our real enemy is not some person. Our real enemy is the devil. And the enemy has a stockpile of crafty things that he wants to throw at you. He never runs out. He has more and more and more. And when you think he's used everything against you he can use, he'll find something else. You don't even dream of it. When you're faced with all kinds of turmoil and difficulty inside of you, and you say, I've just had it all. What shall I do? I don't see how the devil could think of anything else. He'll think of something else. Remember Job. In one day, a man came and said, your lands have been confiscated. Your barns are all down. Your houses are all down. Another man came and said, your children are all dead. And then disease broke out on his body. And then his wife said, you old fool, won't you curse God and die? Now what else could have happened to Job? And the Bible says in all these things, he did not charge God foolishly. The consternation that comes to our hearts when fear reaches around its icicle hands and tries to drag us down, down into, into discouragement and despair. Elisha said to that servant, fear not. Open, Lord, open this man's eyes that he may see. The consternation, the enemies of God, and all that they throw at us. I want to tell you, none of these things catches God by surprise. He knows all about it. He knew it was coming. You have some kind of serious sickness? God knows about it. Didn't catch him by surprise. You have some problems that you caused yourself? God knows about it. Didn't catch him by surprise. He knows, you know, I like the 103rd Psalm that says, He knoweth our frame and he remembereth that we're dust. One of the most difficult things that happens in our lives is when we, when we have some thing come in our life and we look back and say, well, that was because I made a misjudgment. It's my fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's my fault. I did that. And, and sometimes that leads persons to despair. Sometimes people have gone to suicide over that. Was that what God wants? He remembereth that we're dust. He knoweth our frame. And as far as the east is from the west, God hath taken away the sins of the one who trusts him. And like a father pitieth his children, the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Elisha said, Lord, open this man's eyes that he may see. God grant that our eyes shall be opened to see. That applies 
to an individual, that applies to a family, that applies to a nation, that applies to a church. Lord, open our eyes that we may see what is God's best for me? What does God want? And all the things that come in our life, the consternation, the questions, and all these things, remember that God knows all about it. He knows all about tomorrow. And he holds the whole world in his hand. He's got you and me in his hand. He's got the tiny little babe in his hand. He's got the sinner man in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. And he's got your problem in his hand. He's got your fear in his hand. So let down the anchor of your faith more deeply than ever before. It is to great advantage that we're warned. To great advantage that we're warned. You see, Elisha was warning the king of Israel. One of the responsibilities of the man of God is to warn people. In Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter, Scripture says, So thou, son of man, I've set thee as a watchman into the house of Israel. When you see the enemy approach, if you don't speak to warn, well, he'll die in his iniquities, but his blood will I require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you speak to warn and he doesn't listen, you've delivered your soul. <laughs> now, that's where the rub comes, because a lot of times children don't want their parents to warn them. They say, oh, mommy, you're just an old footy daddy. Oh, dad, you're just old-fashioned. You think we shouldn't do this. They don't want anybody to warn them. Lots of times people get upset with a preacher because he warns them. In the same auditorium, on the same night when Dr. Smith preached God's three deadlines, one man came humbly to Jesus and said, Jesus, I've never been saved. I want you as my Savior. Another man went out saying, that man thinks he's trying to scare me. You see, when you've been warned, thank God. The man of God, Elisha, warned the king of Israel and he had a humble enough heart to listen. One of the interesting things about that king, though, he listened to Elisha about the physical danger, but he did not listen about his own sins. Lots of people will do that. I, I, you, you read about this uh, terrible pileup of about 75 cars down on I-75 a year or so ago in that terrible fog and the great big trucks and cars and so on were, were piling up. I read about this, didn't, I didn't see much of it in the news, I just read about this in another article about a lady who came just suddenly into that terrible fog, came at the end of where she, at the end of the wreck as she got there and her car piled up, but she was able to get out unharmed. And she ran back beyond the fog and waved her hands and waved her hands and tried to stop the traffic. Some wouldn't pay any attention to her. They just went on and smashed into that. Some of them died. Some of them listened. 
and they stopped. They squeaked on their brakes and they pulled over. Some one of them went over in a ditch trying to stop and he stopped in time. Some will listen to warnings and some won't. Elisha was the man of God who gave a warning. He said to the king of Israel, don't go this way. The king of Syria is over there. How did you know? God told me. God told me. And listen, kids, a lot of times God will whisper to parents some warning to give to their kids. Listen. Sometimes God will whisper to a Sunday school teacher some warning to give to the students in the class. Listen to it. Sometimes God tells a preacher something to say. Listen to the warning. Not just kids, but adults too. The consternation. Well, let me quickly finish. Think of the comfort. Elisha's servant was afraid. He ran to Elisha and said, what shall we do? What can I do? What are we going to do? This whole world is crumbling in. And Elisha said, fear not. For they who are with us are more than they who are with them. Isn't that a wonderful statement? Listen, if you're saved, if you're in God's will, don't be afraid of what man can do to you. Don't be afraid of what comes in your life. They that are with us are greater than they that are with the world. In Romans, the eighth chapter, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. If God be for us, who can be against us? If you're walking in the will of God, there may be some problems. There may be some hurts. There may be some discouragements. There may be some despair. But remember, standing back behind all of that are the armies of God. And if you'll look with spiritual insight, God will whisper, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not afraid, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's the promise of God. Let me ask you, are you God's child so that you can tune in to that wonderful truth? The world can't tune into that. They don't know the Savior. If you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, you may be a church member, but you find in your heart fear and you don't know what to do about it, and you try to take it to God, and you say, well, it's like talking to a blank wall. I get no place. It could be because you have not yielded your will to the will of God. You have not said, not my will, but thine be done. It all begins with kneeling at the cross. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. But you have to come to him. You have to come to him. God is a gentleman. Jesus Christ is a gentleman. He has never never lassoed somebody and pulled them in. He throws out the lifeline, but you have to take it and come in. He says, come, but you have to come. He says, all day long have I stretched out my hand to you, but you have to come with your sins, with your sorrows, with your faith, with your lack of faith, with your doubts, with your questions, but come. And he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. May we pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for that great truth from the Word of God. 
They that are with us are more than they that are with the world. Help us to tune into that great promise and truth. May somebody here who has never received Jesus as Savior come to Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and let's sing Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. Would you turn to that great song? Brother, what page is it? 353. 353. Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. When you found that song, would you look this way just a moment? Listen to this carefully. If you've got a burden today, whether it's fear or guilt or uncertainty, why don't you take that to Jesus? If you can do it standing right where you are, just do it. Just say, Jesus, I cast this upon you. If the Holy Spirit whispers, you need to go and make that a public commitment down at the altar, you do that. If you're here without Jesus Christ, you've never received him as your savior, would you open your heart to him right now? Invite him to come into your heart and be your savior. While we begin to sing, days are filled with darkness and sorrow and so on, would you come to Jesus right now?